This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. And joining us in studio this morning is uh, former Buffalo Sabre, former Washington Capitol, former Toronto Maple Leaf, and Alabama superfan, Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. Morning, gentlemen. How are you today? I'm good. I just uh, I know that I'm uh, out uh, outranked in the studio this morning. I got uh, I got a couple of Alabama guys that I'm uh, sitting beside. Naz is uh, a diehard Alabama guy, and Lou, you're wearing your Alabama T-shirt. But I just want to let the listeners know. Uh, and just in case you're watching, you can live stream us at www.zoomerradio.ca. In honor of Notre Dame's victory yesterday, I brought in the Golden Dome. Of course, I'm uh, going to fight off you Alabama guys a little bit. I brought in the helmet and also brought in my autographed Joe Theismann, 19, January 11th, ninth, quiet, Naz, January 11th, <laughs> 1971, Sports Illustrated, Notre Dame stops Texas, Joe Theismann scoring. Signed by Joe Theismann, there for everyone to see. Uh, yeah, 1971 was one, was a one win in 35, and li- I, we have to listen to this. Let a, let a, you know what? They, they did Sorry, play guys. Well. They you did know play what? well the other day. Notre yeah. Dame had yeah. such a horrible season last year. I'm going to take my joy wherever I can get it, and uh, they had a pretty good result yesterday. Uh, I'm not so sure Temple is that great of a team, but I'll take I'll take the victory yesterday. I I. I uh, I turned my usual procedure upside down this year. I thought I'd try a little bit different karma. Normally, before a Notre Dame season starts, I normally pull out my Rudy DVD and I watch it. I didn't do it this year. I'm saving it. <laughs> I'm saving it uh, for later on in the season. If it t- looks like it's going to be a successful season, then we'll pop it into the player and we'll watch the Rudy movie. But anyways, guys, uh, Alabama. I mean, I don't think uh, at this point in time we can suggest that Notre Dame's in Alabama's class just yet, just because it seems like nobody's in Alabama's class. Uh, uh, they got off to... It was a marquee matchup last night. Alabama ranked number one preseason. Florida State Seminoles ranked number three preseason at the new uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. Uh, as an event, and uh, Naz, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, Alabama just—they do what they do. They yeah, seem to have a D, program. Their D was dominant last night. Yeah. Really was. Florida they, didn't do much in the second. I didn't think they got sec- sixty-five yards in the second half. That's it. Yeah, it just—it just seems like Alabama's program the last. Uh, well, the last ten years seems they just they just roll and as as they roll say tide. roll tide. They just roll the roster and. You know they they keep losing superstars to the pros, and they keep getting these uh, 
these blue chip prospects coming in to fill the shoes, and they don't miss a beat, do they, Lou? Well, what what it is is when you're practicing, you're pretty well practicing against the other team because they got guys that are in second and third line in depth that could start for any Division One school uh, in the country. So, and that's the way Nick Saban recruits them. Listen, guys, you come in and you go through the process. It's not what they do in the first two years, but give me, uh, give me some effort and give me some determination. Uh, the first two years, and you're the third and fourth year is the year that you're going to play. And you look at Jonathan Allen, you look at Tim, uh, Timmy Williams, you look at Delvin Tomlinson, uh, Ruben Foster, all these guys, they didn't have great first, uh, freshman and sophomore years, but they played in their junior and senior years, and that's when they dominated. This defense yesterday was, I think it's quicker than last year's. I'm not sure if it's as dominant um, as last year's. But again, it's the first game of the year. They, they still have a lot of flaws uh, on the offensive side of the ball with Brian DeBall uh, coming in from New England. Uh, and let's see what happens. It, again, it's the first game of the year. Let's see what they do against LSU, Mississippi State, uh, and, and Auburn. And then uh, we can start talking uh, a little bit more about the Final Four. Now, as we were uh, we were talking, I mean, it's obviously it's early in the year, but uh, you know what? We get all excited. College football starts. It's the beginning of the fall, and uh, you know the the weather's changing. And uh, I thought we were supposed to have I thought it was supposed to be sunny today, but I guess the fake news is we've got now fake weather reports. But uh, <laughs> uh, weather's changing. Uh, fall football. We got NFL football starting this week as well. But college football, Alabama's certainly the favorite. There's no question. Uh, which teams uh, you foresee could give Alabama a challenge somewhere this season, Ness? I think Clemson might, might have a shot at them. But it's a one-game uh, one game thing. They went 12-0 last year, I think, in the regular season. And when they came down to the final game, they lost, right, in a one-game situation. So that can happen at any time. But I, don't th- I think they're overwhelming favorites for sure. Their, their defense is really good. I think it's as good as last year's, Lou. Lou, who's... Uh, if you were to prognosticate and suggest uh, who may be competitive with Alabama this year, uh, where would you where would you find that? I, I think there's about four teams. Uh, obviously, you're going to have Michigan, Ohio State coming out of the Big Ten. The dark horse in that uh, division or conference is going to be Penn State. You got USC with the uh, sophomore stud uh, Sam Darnold uh, out west. I'm not going to count out Clemson either. They got the uh, they got the Sean Watson the second there yesterday. Uh, and I think they have to get through LSU and, and Auburn in the SEC. Those are the, probably the five teams that that are probably going to give them a run at the end as the season goes on. And again, it's injuries, and let's see how this offense develops with uh, with a pro style uh, offensive coordinator. There's there's one team that uh, seems to have. Um, um Revitalized itself, and and it's and I think it's positive. Um, it's a team. They you know the they wear the blue and white. Um, they were personal aside from Notre Dame, uh, which was which has always been the team dearest to my heart. I've always I've also had a deep affection over the years for Penn State, and Penn State has a storied football history, uh, which was sullied, unfortunately, um, and they went through a very difficult period for reasons. Uh, I'd like to say extraneous to football, but football was part of what happened there. Um, but they seem to be have put that in the past, thank God. Uh, and we can start talking about Penn State and start talking about football when we talk about Penn State. And, and I'm thrilled to see that 
finally. And I'm thrilled to see that Penn State's got a competitive team. Um, they have an incredible history. I mean, it used to be called Linebacker University. I mean, the, some of the great linebackers that came out of Penn State and uh, some great quarterbacks and running backs like John Capaletti and I think Jack Ham went to Penn State and some of the great players. So certainly they're building a new history at Penn State and trying to put uh, uh, a terrible a few years behind them, and it's great to see them. And they are competitive again, and they're ranked number six. They are, and uh, what, what I like about them is that they've got a potential first-round pick in, in Barkley as a running back. Trace Armstrong is a sophomore quarterback. So anytime when you got two studs like that on the offensive side, and they've got a top-10 class, high school class coming in this year. So you can see there's a lot of kids that actually want to go to Penn State now uh, because they're, they've, they've put that program, the old program, behind them, and they're moving forward. And, and Penn State, growing up, while well, you know as, as well as anybody else, is that... They had some great through, teams. Yeah, through the 80s and 90s, they had some... I, I remember the game with Todd Blackledge, Alabama, yeah. and, and uh, Penn State uh, for the national championship where Alabama stopped them three times inside the three-yard line yeah. to win it. So it, it's, it's nice to see. You never want to hear or, or see stories, especially with Art Bryles being dismissed from, from, uh, from Hamilton this past week. You really know, especially at, at the university level, you never want to hear stories like what happened at Penn State. Let's get it all behind us and move forward. That's what they said. Anyways, we've got to go to break. Uh, we've got to move, move forward a bit. We've got to get to Matt Nickel, who's got a uh, busy schedule today, and he's agreed to come on the show. Matt Nickel is, of course, the founder and uh, one of the partners of BioSteel, the great company. He's also one of Canada's great strength and conditioning coaches. But we're going to talk about Matt about something different today. We're talking to him about his late friend, Wade Belak. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. 
Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour this morning, Matt Nickel. Matt Nickel's been with us before. He is a founder and partner in the great Canadian company BioSteel and also one of Canada's great strength and conditioning coaches who does some tremendous work with a lot of professional athletes. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Matt, are you with us? Did we lose Matt? Sebastian? I'm going to see if we can uh, keep that uh, connection going, but uh, maybe I've got problems with my earphones. A little technical difficulty here? Matt, are you with us? Hi, Hi guys. Hi, Matt. We just had a little sorry about that. Uh, That's okay. A little problem connecting, uh, Matt. We, Of course, we introduced you for all the great work we're doing, but... Uh, what really brought me, uh, what caught my attention this week is a very, very poignant uh, post uh, you put on Instagram, uh, and I thought, uh, I thought we should chat about it this morning. It was, of course, six years ago this week, um, a good friend, and as you describe him, an incredible father, husband, teammate, and friend left us. That, of course, was Wade Belak. And um, I think that's a story that should be told. Uh, Wade was an incredibly popular human being, an incredibly popular hockey player. And as you say, that uh, event was a career-changing moment for you. Um, Matt, uh, he was a friend of yours. Tell us about Wade and tell us how um, that changed your life. Yeah, well, Wade was a very special guy, and you know, you uh, as you mentioned there, it's you know, it's it's really hard. You think about uh, you know all all the guys I work with are great guys and exceptional people, but when I think back to him, he was the one guy, and I mentioned that in that that post as well. It sort of transcended all the little groups in the room. The the old guys loved him, the young guys loved him, the the Russian guys loved him, the European players loved him. The, he was a, you know, he was an enforcer. He was a tough guy in the team, uh, but you know, the skill guys loved him. The other enforcers in the league loved him. He just seemed, you know, it really was kind of a universal thing. It would be hard to not love a guy like Wade. He was the, the class clown. He, you know, he was the, you know, the guy that lit up the room and, and brought the energy every day. It was, he was really an incredible guy. It's interesting. The uh, and when he's in Nashville, very popular guy too, Matt. Yes. No. Absolutely. He was. Uh, you know, and for me, I, you know, I was the strength and conditioning coach. He was, uh, he was an incredibly hardworking guy. He loved to train. You know, there are there are a lot of guys that that are hardworking and do what's asked of them because they know that it's it's good for their hockey career. He was a guy that actually genuinely loved to train, and uh, you know, we would talk about that. And and uh, you know, there was uh, Wade. Wade didn't always play all 82 games a year, so we spent a lot of extra time him and I in the gym and. Uh, had a lot of time for that. So, yeah, he was, uh, he was a special guy for me, for sure. Um, we're talking with Matt Nickel about Wade Belak, and um, I know these sometimes are very sensitive topics, Matt, and, uh, but they are 
Uh, I've been affected um, in in my life with in instances where uh, people close to us have taken their lives, and 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 these are sensitive but important topics. Uh, Wade, uh, as it was reported, I don't think it's a secret, um, took his own life, uh, and that sort of leaves a trail behind uh, because in those situations we try to all examine and see what we missed. Um, what did we miss? You've well, re- you've researched the topic afterwards. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, people people have asked if there were if there were signs along the way, and and I'm, I'm surely surely there must have been, but I, I guess I wasn't uh, educated enough at the time, and and I don't think uh, you know if you if you did a poll of a lot of people, uh, it, it seems pretty universal again. The shock. You know, it wasn't just the sadness; it was the the shock at, at, at this happening with a guy like that. You know, he's the last guy you would have expected. You know, and there's things. You know, maybe if you look back and along the way, there 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 were little signs. And uh, I think now I have a, a better appreciation uh, for the job that uh, he did and guys like him used to do. It's not so much prevalent in the league anymore, but the pressure. You know every night of going out there and you know there's pressure for any athlete going out to play but for the guys that did a job like his you know there's there's a underlying level of anxiety whether you're personally affected with a condition and there's an underlying level of anxiety of going out and having to get into a a fight every night and not just a a fight but a fight where you know the win or the loss is either going to elevate your team or let your teammates down and and guys like Wade tend to be team first guys and love their teammates and want to do anything to, to help and protect their teammates so there's a the added pressure of that, you know, along with uh, the stresses and strains that come with uh, life for anybody. So I think, you know, if I look back, uh, were there signs along the way? Yeah, I'm sure there. I'm sure there probably were, but uh, I don't think they were uh, flashing neon signs. I think there were small things now that I've learned along the way to sort of, you know, pay more attention to, and and also just to be uh, cognizant of of the fact that. You know, just because these guys are superstar celebrity athletes, and just because a guy might be, you know, a guy like Wade who was six foot five and, you know, looked like he was cut out of stone, uh, that doesn't mean that those guys can't be afraid and they can't have insecurities and they can't have fears. We're talking to Matt Nickel. Matt, just want to follow up on that point, and you, you just uh, you raised it right at the end there that uh, sometimes we forget um, these guys are warriors, uh, they're heroes to a lot of people, but it, ultimately, at the end of the day, they're human beings like everybody else. Um, and you have uh, you've spent a lot of time with professional athletes, uh, more so perhaps on the on the strength and conditioning side. But uh, and perhaps Lou, as, as you're aware, Matt, we have Lou Franceschetti in studio with us. Lou, and if you wanna if you wanna participate in this part of the discussion, by all means. But uh, um, depression amongst professional athletes. Um, do you see it? Is it common? How do they deal with it? Well, I, I don't. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure about how common it is, but uh, it, you definitely see it. And I think it's a. It's an important point. People need to realize that there, there's a difference between being anxious and having anxiety. There's a difference between feeling depressed and having depression. So everybody gets stressed and anxious that's normal in the normal course of life and every you know everybody's going to have times in their life where they're where they're sad or they or they feel quote-unquote depressed but that's different than depression so i guess the idea is that some people would look at a professional athlete and say wow what the hell does this guy have to be 
you know, depressed about. He's rich. He's, you know, he's got everything. He's, he's a celebrity. He's got all the, all the trappings of fame. He's, you know, how could that guy possibly be depressed? You know, or someone like, you know, like Wade, you would think, well, why, why would a guy like that ever be anxious about getting into a fight? He's one of the toughest guys around. You know, he, he, you know, he, he's a warrior. He's, you know, he shouldn't have any fear at all. So I think we have to understand that it, it's, it's not as simple as that. These guys have all the same fears and insecurities and anxieties and, uh, and troubles that, that everybody else does. We just, you know, we miss it sometimes because we get caught up in the, you know, all the external glitz and glam that these, you know, athletes or celebrities might have. Matt, it's, um, I, I know where everybody's coming from here because I had I'm not to the extent where I had the same kind of role as as uh, as Belak did, but I had a similar role in the sense that I m- my participation in the game can very change can very easily change the tempo of the game. I was just curious. You spent a lot of time with him. I spent a couple of days uh, with uh, with Colton Orr. What makes these guys so genuine off the ice? Because all you hear about these so-called enforcers, they're the best guys off the ice. I spent, again, I spent three days with Colt Knorr. We had a couple of pops after every golf tournament. And he, is, he had the story. The stories that he had were just unbelievable, that you could probably roll over and piss your pants laughing uh, because he'd never think of, of these enforcers doing what they do and knowing that, Really, like like you mentioned, that if they lose a fight, it could turn the whole tempo of a game around. And really, and I'm and I'm looking at my career. If I didn't come and do my job, there's another guy or another two or three guys waiting behind me, knowing that if I fail, that they're going to try to take uh, take my job. Absolutely. So I, you know, I I I, I think those. Guys that played that role, and it's again, it's you know much more prevalent back back when you played and back when I was working in the league than it is now. But it wasn't just about about fighting; it was about you were there to protect your teammates. And I think those guys have that sort of underlying mentality that 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 they are they are protectors, and they're the ones that are there to look after everybody else. And I think there was also an understanding that you know Wade was a first round draft pick. You know, he was an unbelievable junior hockey player, but at some point this was the role that he was slotted into. And I think that they all realized, you know, in, in, in a room full of superstars, uh, you have to bring other intangibles to the table. So most of the guys like Wade understand that if they're not going to be scoring 20 or 30 goals a year, how else can they contribute? And, and it's not just fighting. Maybe it is, you know, bringing the energy to the room or, or being, you know, being the guy that gets everybody laughing and keeps the guys together. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a value, as you know, Lou, probably much better than I do. Even that's how valuable that role is. Being a good, you know, they talk in hockey circles about being a good room guy. You know, uh, you know, and if you don't have a good room, then you got nothing. So I think guys that do that job tend to to fill those roles of also being being a good room guy. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, with with you know the, the other point that you made about you know always kind of having this underlying anxiety about someone coming to take your job. Well, that's doubly so for someone that filled that enforcer role because it's not just about you know if you didn't play so well you didn't score tonight uh, maybe that guy is going to come and take your job you know if, if you're if you're playing okay and you're doing your job but all of a sudden you take a you know the other guy gets a lucky punch or you know you get on the wrong side of a fight you got to miss a few games another guy gets in that could be the end of it for you too so there's that 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 you know job security fear as well 
Uh, we've been talking to Matt Nickel. Matt, uh, we're going to let you go. We know uh, we appreciate so much that you took the time for us because we know you've got some important events to deal with today. And uh, one of them, of course, is your father's birthday, and we wish him all the best. But oh, thank you. Uh, we, we, we know you have to get going because uh, you've got to, you've got to attend to some family events. And uh, we would just leave it off with this. We thank you so much for taking the time for us today. Uh, on uh, in in amongst uh, everything else you have going on today. And um, sharing with us uh, some fond thoughts and, uh, and sharing with our listeners uh, the good human being that Wade Belak was and um, that the lesson there should not be forgotten. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks, Seth. It's always a pleasure. Thanks. That was, uh, that was Matt Nickel. Uh, yeah, he, Wade Belak was a first-round pick. He was a high first-round pick with Colorado, and he ended up in that role, right? Yeah, sad, uh, sad, sad story. Um, you know, it's there's so many parts of that story that, um, you know, ultimately um, you want to be careful because you are talking about a human being. Um, uh, but there's so many parts of that that, that are wrapped in with it. Uh, Wade uh, took his own life. Uh, some other NHL enforcers have done the same. Um, did uh, did concussions or brain trauma have anything to do with that? Um, um, I don't know the answers to that. I don't know if anybody knows the answers to that. I'm sure but. that I'm sure that was part of it, Wally. I'm sure that was part of it. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that the role players like that are the ones that, uh, for the most part, have taken their lives, and you don't see the superstar doing that. So that's an interesting observation, as I I think you you hit it bang on. It's uh, it, these. You know, it, um, Derek Bogard, uh, what was the other, was it Rick Rippin? Rip. Yeah. Um, and, you, the, and then, uh, um, yeah, it seems to be, um, you know, maybe the enforcers, maybe because they take more brain trauma through all the fights, you know, maybe because of their anxiety, their the roles and the pressure and the uh, all that stuff. I don't have the answers. I, I don't. Yeah. Um uh, but it's certainly these are certainly things that should uh, should be discussed, and hopefully, uh, you know, these lessons are learned, and um, other athlete human beings um, can be helped um, before something like this happens. Sad, sad story. Wade Belak certainly beloved by so many. Uh, before we go to break, there's uh, something I was supposed to announce last week that uh, uh, I forgot to, quite frankly. Um, but uh, we always, uh, every now and then on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, we love to uh, love to do a little promotion for some people who are doing some great things out in the community. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a golf tournament hosted by uh, TorontoWestGolf.com. It's, it was the 21st Jim Smith Memorial Golf Tournament uh, at Copper Creek. Uh, Jim Smith was a friend of mine and a friend to so many others. And we, um, every year we celebrate his life. By holding a uh, golf tournament, we raise money for the vascular surgery department at Sunnybrook Hospital, and specifically three uh, three doctors in the forefront that I have to mention their names who are doing some fantastic work trying to relieve suffering in this area. Doctors Joseph Magisano, Dr. Andrew Duick, and Dr. Giuseppe Papia. Sorry, I hope I got that right. They are Canadian leaders in vascular care, and they're trying to work on an area in vascular care in Canada that is underserved. We have results in Canada that are not comparable to the United States and to Europe in in terms of vascular care. There's way too many diabetics who find their limbs amputated because our care probably 
could be better and we need to raise money. Uh, not that these doctors aren't doing their very best, they are. So certainly a shout out to uh, all the doctors in the vascular surgery department at Sunnybrook Hospital and to the great people who uh, hosted this golf tournament from Toronto West. Uh, great work. Keep it up. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian. If you like a sausage, you can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language, no matter where you are from. Call Pizzaville at 736-3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Bridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM live streaming on www.zoomerradio.ca. It's always a pleasure to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, the godfather of sports radio, the host of the most important and influential sports talk radio show in history, the Sports Huddle. We are, of course, talking to our beloved Eddie Andelman. Good morning, Eddie. How are you? Good morning, fellas. How are you? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, as usual, joining me in studio is my co-host, Naz. We also have former Washington Capitol with us this morning, uh, Eddie Lou Franceschetti. Well, I want to get right into it with you, Eddie. The NFL starting this week, and you've got some concerns. Uh, first of all, I want you to comment on uh, everybody's picking the New England Patriots, and of course, Sports Illustrated, uh, in their infinite wisdom, decided to grace the Patriots with their cover, and that's usually a not a good thing. Uh, tell us a little bit about. Uh, the Patriots, whether the SI jinx is, is going to have an effect and what we should be looking for from the Patriots this year, Eddie? Well, I'm not as confident as I have been in the past. 
Uh, and the reason being that Tom Brady uh, is without question, um, you know, getting older. And uh, players know and coaches know that if they can take him out of the game or out of the season, the Patriots, you know, have spent years under the cap. And so any great dynasty uh, in the history of sports, when that dynasty is over, it's, you know, terrible amount of bad years. You know, it happened with the Celtics. Uh, it's happened with the New York Yankees. And I'm afraid it'll happen with the Patriots uh, because they really are a one-man team, no matter what all the media says. It's Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. And um, as you know, not everybody in the National Football League, uh, you know, hmm. thinks of the good of the league or what's right. And they know damn well that if they can get Brady on a cheap shot and only get a 15-yard penalty, they're going to do it. Uh, Eddie, talking about uh, the Patriots and Dynasty, um, um, where do you uh, where do you fit the Patriots in in terms of the the great uh, football dynasties of all time? Uh, that's a debate. I mean, we talk about the Steelers from the seventies, the early seventies Dolphins, the Packers from the sixties, and uh, you know the Forty ers from the eighties. Where where in the grand scheme of things, where do where did the Patriot where does the where did the Patriots uh, uh, line up? Well, I'd have to say um, it would uh, depend a lot on the number of games and number of teams that there are. Um, and I would have to say at the moment, with five Super Bowl wins, the Patriots are the best dynasty. But to prove that Brady is the best of all time, tell me how many teammates uh, of the Patriots are going to go into the Hall of Fame? Very few compared to the other dynasties. In fact, I can't even think of one that will make the Hall of Fame. Interesting, uh, interesting you see that, Eddie, because <laughs> it's 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 uh, been the focus of discussion here quite a few times. And uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting that Brady has never really had, except I guess probably for the year he had Randy, uh, he had Randy Moss, but he. There, there's, and he's never, never had a, a top echelon running back on that team that I can remember, uh, an all-pro of any kind, and uh, he's been able to do that without a Hall of Fame cast of any kind whatsoever. I find that truly, truly remarkable. Um, if you were to, if you were to line up the the Patriots' nemesis, who's who's the Patriots' biggest rivalry um, in the NFL these days? Who? Who, when they go play them, has the biggest the biggest hate between the Patriots and any other team in the league, Eddie? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't really think they have that, that big a rivalry these days. The uh, the teams in their division are also rands, as they say in horse racing. Uh, you know, they're all terrible teams, and so as you add uh, mileage and distance to the other cities. It's not like Red Sox, Yankees, or Texas, Oklahoma, or Toronto, Montreal, Canadians. There just isn't a rivalry uh, worth discussing, in my opinion. Eddie, they're talking about the Patriots going 16-0. and 0. Do they have a shot at going undefeated this year? I'm sorry, can you speak up a little bit? The, people are picking the Patriots to go 16-0. and 0. Uh, Do you think they have a shot at doing that? That's absurd. I mean, they're not going to go 16-0. And, 
I can assure you of that. So that's kind of silly nonsense. Uh, we're talking to Eddie Andelman. Eddie, uh, change uh, change topics a little bit. Uh, we always have to take the opportunity of uh, when, when when we have you to talk a little bit about Red Sox Yankees. Um, Red Sox, uh, you know, a little bit a uh, little bit of a sideways uh, tilt this week. Uh, everything's still focused for the Red Sox to go where they need to go, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees are basically an inexperienced team for the most part. And when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, uh, the Yankees, uh, you know, they might make the playoffs, but they're not any kind of a, a team that could beat the Red Sox in the playoffs. I think the team that I'm really amazed with is Houston that nobody talks about. Um, and they just have, like, one of the best records in baseball, they have a good all-around team, but it's just that they've been bad for so many years that people just don't put them in the in the uh, class of the Red Sox or the Yankees uh, um, or the Cubs or the Cleveland Indians. But if I had to make a pick right now, I would say the best value for your money would be the Houston Astros. And then, of course, much like uh, Katrina uh, motivated uh, the New Orleans Saints to win the Super Bowl. Um, I think the same thing might happen with Houston because of this terrible situation and the flood that they've had. Eddie, I know uh, we had a small conversation the last time we were on the, here uh, regarding the Yankees. Uh, you, you were dang, bang on regarding the Yankees being an ex, inexperienced team. This year wasn't the year that they were supposed to make that next step. It's probably a year or two down the road. How are you going to handle Cleveland and how are you going to handle uh, Baltimore that just swept you four games in a row? I'm not looking at Baltimore because I don't think they got a shot uh, with with the Jays handling this weekend. But Chris Sale had, had a, has had a big problem against Cleveland. I mean, it's amazing how in baseball particularly, certain hitters can hit certain pitches. Certain terrible hitters can hit some great pitches. But uh, I think when it gets down to it, the Red Sox... Uh, will definitely uh, uh, win the American League East, which is no big bad, uh, badge of courage either. Uh, much like in, in football, the American League East is extremely weak. Baltimore's on a hot streak right now, but that's because there's no pressure on them. We're talking to Eddie Andelman, the godfather of sports radio. Eddie, we uh, we had a spirited discussion earlier in our show. Uh, it's September now. We're getting excited about football and, of course, college football, which is uh, much bigger in Canada uh, than you can possibly imagine. We're all uh, we're all college football. You uh, NCAA Division One fans up here. Uh, my two uh, my two co-hosts this morning are all wearing their Alabama gear and. Uh, I showed up with my Golden uh, Dome Fighting Irish helmet, so we're trying to have a little little battle here. But, uh, Eddie, uh, college football-wise, uh, Alabama seems to have a program that's elevated itself completely above anybody else. Uh, any any surprises you see in college football this year that could possibly knock Alabama off? Well, um, you know, Alabama is a football factory, and um, they have a great coach, but I don't believe in preseason polls. They're very seldom accurate. And I don't, you know, there are so many colleges in the U.S. Uh, it, it's really hard to see who's going to be a great team. But if I had to guess, 
I would not knock out last year's champion uh, until they're dethroned. Uh, but I, I think Clemson might be a great team, even though they lost a great quarterback. But college football is so much better than pro football. Uh, I really enjoy the college game because it's wide open, it's imaginative, and those kids are really trying. Uh, you know, in pro football, I think it's just uh, kind of a boring game for the most part now. You know, I'd, I'd love to see a franchise in uh, Toronto, uh, but I guess you're going to play that keep that Canadian Football League together. Uh, that's a, that's a totally uh, that's a totally different discussion, Eddie. Uh, uh, which has got a lot of complicating factors. There's there's an incredibly large base of NFL fans in Toronto, more so more so than CFL fans. Uh, the CFL is not doing very well in Toronto right now. They're lucky if they can pull fifteen thousand people out to a game, and uh, you get almost that many people going down to Pittsburgh to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers from Toronto, and. Uh, uh, so the NFL, if they ever if they ever made it to Toronto, I guarantee you it would be one of the most successful franchises in the NFL. But there's so much politics involved, Eddie, and uh, uh, I don't know when and if that day will ever come. Eddie, your favorite sport, soccer, is outdrawing uh, the CFL. I'm sorry? Your favorite sport, soccer, is outdrawing the CFL, the Canadian Football League now. Yeah, well... I don't know anything about the CFL, and I've never I, I've, I've never really seen a game, uh, you know, some news clips. But I will say this: that uh, Toronto has to be a great sports a city, along with Boston, um, because no matter how the teams do, uh, Toronto supports them, uh, and in Boston, it's a little different story. In Boston, you must win, or people hate you. I mean, it's really amazing. <laughs> I think I think uh, Bostonians are a little bit tougher on their teams than Torontonians are, Eddie. Uh, I, I want to take you to uh, since I've got you, and I know your history, and you've uh, over the years interviewed uh, or spoken with every significant boxer that probably lived in the last, uh, uh, well, up until recently, anyways. Uh, any parting shots on this uh, McGregor Mayweather uh, event? I I, I, I was going to call it a boxing match, but I'm not so sure I should call it a boxing match. I'll just call it an event. Uh, Actually, you know, he surprised a lot of people. He looked like a boxer out there, but you know, if if McGregor had started and had a half a dozen fights before uh, he fought Mayweather. It might have been a little different story, but he's courageous. Uh, uh, he's without question motivated, and I thought he did really well considering who he fought, and the, and the fans enjoyed the show. Uh, Mayweather uh, has now bought the strip club that he used to spend fifty to one hundred fifty thousand a night on, <laughs> so now he owns it, and um, since he has a big posse and also gambles. In the three and five hundred thousand dollar range on games, uh, it's a matter of time before he comes out of retirement again. <laughs> He's going to need the money. What happened to boxing, Eddie? What happened to boxing? Well, it's the people that ran it. You know, years ago, uh, and I'm talking about twenty years ago, Steve Wynn of uh, Las Vegas fame, uh, and 
senator from Arizona wanted uh, to have a national um, board who would run boxing, one board that would run boxing worldwide. And now what happened is, because of these sleaze promoters and television, uh, what happened is they started to have junior lightweights and and um, all these different classifications. So they always had champions fighting. And, of course, it was ridiculous because 20 years ago, you knew that there was lightweights and welterweights and middleweights and light heavies and heavies, and you knew the champions. Today, with all those alphabet uh, phonies who get 2% of the gross, uh, which is, is stupid anyway, uh, so it's like expansion. And... Uh, they, they killed themselves, they shot themselves in the foot. And then champions didn't want to fight more than once a year. If you go back to guys like Sugar Ray uh, Leonard, uh, even, but even go back to Sugar Ray Robinson and Jake LaMotta, they would fight eight or 10 times a year. Today, a uh, champion can fight maybe once a year, but certainly in twice in three years. And so um, couple that with poor decisions and I'd have to, and uh, also the uh, disqualifications. I'd have to say that the boxing really killed itself. I still am not in, into MMA. I, I still think it's absurd. Um, but uh, boxing will come back now because there's six different channels that are showing live boxing. And television is the most powerful thing that's ever been in the world created. And so it's just a matter of time and finding a heavyweight champion, uh, because it all depends on having a heavyweight champion that the world adores. We've been talking to Eddie Andelman. Eddie, we want to thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, we're looking forward to the football season. A lot of New England Patriot fans in the Toronto area. Patriots, Steelers, Bills, probably the three top teams in the Toronto area anyways. And uh, we look forward to a great football season, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks so much. Well, Somebody told me that if I'm on two more times, I become a Canadian citizen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll chat about that. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll follow up on that one, Eddie. I, it, uh, uh, you know what? You've got me dumbstruck here. I, I'm, I'm tempted to respond to that, but I'm going to get myself in a whole lot of trouble because we stay away from politics on this show. So I'm going to, I'm not going to touch that one, Eddie. But uh, maybe at some point in time, maybe over at, over a beer in Florida, we'll have a we'll have a chat about that. Thanks so much. Well, I leave for Florida January seventh. You're welcome anytime. Uh, we'll be in touch. I'll be down there at some point this winter, and we'll catch up, Eddie. Take care, fellas. It's always a pleasure. Eddie Andelman, the godfather of sports radio. Never uh, never a dull moment with Eddie, certainly. Uh, uh, Patriots, uh, Eddie seems to be uh, concerned that they're going to they're gonna be going after Brady they, this year. They've been going after Brady for the last five years. <laughs> but nobody, they've never really, you know, you know, we've, t- and, you know, uh, Eddie makes the point, and we've, we've, I mean, you know, we've chatted about it on the show before, uh, you know, the, the whole issue of where Tom Brady fits in terms of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. I don't think there's any question that you can very easily make the argument that he is. Uh, although these are these argument these discussions obviously lead in in all kinds of different directions. You've got Montana. Uh, I don't even know who else you want to throw in that discussion, but uh, Bradshaw, uh, just because of all the Super Bowls he won. Um, 
certainly he's in that discussion, but he's, you know, you look at, you look at Montana and you look at what he had around him. You look at Bradshaw, what he had around him. Uh, Lou, Lou, you're shaking your head. I'll give you your, get your, get your two cents worth in. You got to remember back 20 years ago, there wasn't free agency like there is now. Those were interchangeable parts. The teams that the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the, the the Dolphins, the San Francisco 49ers. The, the, the but Dallas, they all the, had those teams all had, they had the iconic Cowboys. players. Yes, they had because they didn't move. At, at, because they, they didn't move. Those offenses all had, you know. You look at the Cowboys. They had Tony Dorsett and you know Michael. Er- who's the Who's the great Drew Pearson? Emmett, uh, Pierce, look, Emmett look, Smith, yeah. You look at Pittsburgh. They had Franco Harrison, Stallworth, and Swan, Blair, and, yeah. you know, and uh, and they all had they all had talent at the, at the uh, at the core positions. This Patriots team never has. But wait, what, what I'm trying to say is, well, there was no free, respect there was no, for there was, Wes Welker. There was no free agency back then. You know, the the the. the, but, the and I, but you couldn't sorry. move. You could. You're telling me that Willen Swan, Mean Jogan, that know, front four, they never would have stayed together. I don't. I yeah. I they agree. never would have stayed together. I get, I get that part of it. But how does Brady do it? I mean, doesn't even. I can't. I can't name you three offensive linemen he's had in the last ten years. How does he do well, it? In fairness, oh, in fairness, fairness. go ahead, ahead. Wally. Yeah. Okay. The, the way it is now, what team has a bunch of those guys on one team? They don't. They don't. They don't. Yeah. And he was a sixth round pick. Yeah, they don't, and that's the that's the issue. You can't compare the two because they, they don't. Like you have Julio Jones in Atlanta, and who else do they have? Atlanta, other than Julio no, Jones. No, but I, I get your point. But how then does he? How then are they able to create a dynasty where they've won how many Super Bowls now? Five. Five over how many years? I'll give you two 14 names. Fourteen years. I'll give you Belichick. Bill Belichick. Right there. Uh, I think that's too simplistic. No, an it, it, but it is because everything has been consistent with Bill Belichick. Everything, like everything he does, seems to touch gold. And everybody says it's like the arguments. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the arguments you make are the is the argument why you should not have a dynasty in today's day but, and age. But again, that's why. And everybody says, well, everybody's after Tom Brady. Everybody is after anybody that runs that offense because the New England. Uh, Patriots and and Kraft are despised in all of football. They think they get special treatment, and it starts with Bill Belichick. Well, they, 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 you know, the, the reality is they brought it among, upon themselves. Well, you're right with some of the shenanigans well, they pulled over the years, right? Because they're they're allowed to do it. Well, they're not allowed to. Well, do they're it. not allowed to, but they, they haven't. They, they, they got they've away been, with it. They've never right. been slapped. Yeah. Well, okay. Brady got four games. Yeah, the, makeup, oh, yeah, okay. the makeups of the teams are a lot different uh, now than they were back then, though. They were. Like Miami had a great receiving core too, right? Oh, they had, uh, Paul, Paul Warfield and uh, yeah, but they the never they never won with the the M and M boys because Marino could never get them over the top. Well, they didn't have a defense or the you know, well, they didn't have the they didn't have the, the, you look at they the, didn't have they didn't have the defense they had. You look in the early at the 70s. Redskins with with uh, with Gibbs as coach. They didn't lose that many games, well, but they also uh, they always had to get through Dallas. You take in New England now. New England half of the Buffalo Bill but offense. Just, I just find it astounding that they're able to um, throw in these interchangeable parts and keep winning. And now they, you know, they, they won the Super Bowl last year in a game that they should not have won. That basically Atlanta, Atlanta just gave it to them at the end. But give, give the Patriots credit uh, in one of the most exciting, you know, second halves and in, in, in overtimes, whatever. But. Not only did they win the Super Bowl last year, they're the favorites again to win this year. 
Uh, I find that astounding. It, it comes down to the coaches put the players in places to succeed. You could change all their parts on the defensive side. You're going to get the same kind of results. Okay, let's ask be- the threshold question. Let's ask the threshold question, which Andelman was, was alluding to. You take Tom Brady out of this lineup. Where, where, where did the Patriots fit in? What's I, I think their that, record? I think Are they're they probably 8-8. Eight eight. No. Really? Yeah. 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah. He makes that much yes, difference. Yes, he does. Wow. Then he is the best quarterback of all time. Okay. I'll, and I don't even then, know if they'll get to 500. If, if, that's, if, if that's the conclusion, that depends this team is 8-8 eight eight without Tom Brady. Who he's going to. What the, who's the next guy in line? Gar- yeah. Garoppolo? Garoppolo's a pretty I, good Hey, listen. Tom Brady is one of a kind. The, the things that he does, the things he sees, he's got that... He's got that game plan. He's got the he's got every all the parts in in the right spot. You, you look at who thought that they would even with when they lost Fernandez and and, uh, and Gronk being injured, they thought that he would have missed a step. They, didn't, they just put a guy in there. If a guy that's, goes in, that's there, their Hall of Fame guy. Sorry, we forgot him, Gronkowski. Okay, that's if, it. If they if they put a a, a player with talent yeah. in in Gronk's place, he can't fail because if he runs the right to and is in the right spot, Brady's going to hit yeah, him. I I think another key to, I, in in Another important part of New England's success uh, is being able to play in the American um, East, the AFC East, where there's been no no team that's made them work up a sweat basically for 15 years. So you're always looking, you're almost always looking at home field advantage through, if not most of the playoffs into a significant part of the playoffs. And to me that's a huge difference. When when you when you when you can when you got four other teams in that conference that you can basically say, you know what, we got eight games here and we're gonna be seven and one, that's a huge advantage, isn't it? It is. It definitely is because again, it should take a team five years to to get to the playoffs. Buffalo Bills what, ten? They haven't been in a playoff since 1999. 18 years. 18 they, they, they're years. the they're, longest they're, running record of futility in the NFL right now. Correct like, me if I'm wrong. It's almost Nass. like the Jays then, 22. Oh, but what do you mean? That they didn't make the playoffs up until the last two years. Oh, you're, you threw me for a loop there. <laughs> Sorry, Luke. You no, can't they, do that. They, 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 they're, they're, they're probably the weak sister of all four divisions. And, and this year, I think it's going to be even... Miami's going to be knocking on the door this year. I think I, I like My, what they've Miami's done over there. Miami's going nowhere. With Look, the Jets are, oh, the Jets right, are nothing. Right. Jay Cutler. Look, Jay Cutler, the Jets, nowhere. <laughs> Look, the Jets are nothing. The Bills, with all due respect to all our Buffalo Bills fans, I, I, I won't use the word nothing, but they're not going to be competitive. Uh, who else is in that division? Miami? Meh. Who else is there? Who did I miss? That's it. Four. Four teams in that division? Okay, so forget about, yeah. So there's, so there's Jets. The Jets. We missed the Jets. And they're, they're the worst team in the league. So, if I have a mental stumbling block here, is there five teams in that division or four? <laughs> the Jets are there. The Dolphins are there. The Bills are there. It's four. New England. And New England. There's five. Okay, so we got it right. Um, so that, that's a, that's a tremendous competitive advantage. It's it is. It has to be. Uh, surprises. Where uh, where are the surprises going to come this year in the NFL? Who's who are the potential aside from the Patriots? Uh, really quickly, guys, a minute. Uh, who else should we watch out for? I understand the Steelers have a really competitive team this year. I like the Houston Texans. Uh, defense wins championships. Uh, they, they, uh, they had a great defense last year. Uh, if Deshaun Watson does half of what he did with Clemson, uh, he's, he could put that team over the top. Nas. 
I see a big bounce back in the Carolina Panthers for some reason. I don't know why, but the, the talent is there, and I think they're going to knock on the door. A lot of Cowboy fans. And last word, guys. A lot of Cowboy fans in the Toronto area. How are the Cowboys shaping up this year? Should win that division. But I don't think they'll go Super Bowl? No, not Dallas. Lou? Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the fence on this one. I don't know if Dak Prescott can come back and have the same kind of year uh, that he had last year. And we'll see how, how far that, uh, that defense is going to take him. Anyways, it's... Uh, Everybody is excited. Football's back. Uh, autumn's in the air, and it's been another great week for the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. To all our listeners, thanks so much for joining in. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Hopefully the weather will improve and be safe out there, and uh, we'll be back again next Sunday morning. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.